0: Uh, yeah, thanks for sitting down to talk. Uh, I uh, I think I was first made aware of your you online through the the CEO skits, uh, which uh, I thought were fucking phenomenal, Uh, especially just your performance in general. And I was like, this guy is great, and and then as Time goes on. I see you're into, you know, tabletop. And uh, I I, I have to ask, are you into board gaming at all?
1: Yes, I am into
0: board gaming as well. Obviously, I'm very
1: like, um, I have a a hermit. First of all, thank you very much for the kind words. It means a ton. Uh, Obviously, similarly, like uh very familiar with your work and also in that way of discovering different pods of your work of like initially Mm. seeing like viral videos and sketches and like uh uh, just like comedy videos and then being like oh my god this dude is like in everything i love as a voice actor as well so very fun to discover those like mutual mutual pods of stuff um Mm -hmm. but the uh I have played a lot of board game stuff. Obviously I have a monk like dedication to tabletop, like in just terms of like raw hours logged. Um, But you know, I can really get down with a good cooperative. I really like the ultra hard co-op board games. Like I'm a sucker for pandemic um Mm. uh your your arkham horrors any of that stuff like we're probably gonna lose but we're all gonna do it together you know that's yeah
0: yeah
1: uh that's a vibe i can really get down with uh in the in those like hyper intense and i have a bunch of friends who have been trying to get me into gloomhaven which (laughs) is oh oh.
0: (laughs) gloomhaven's great it's great yeah
1: (laughs) It seems like somehow it's like it's removed a tremendous amount of like the role playing focus of d and d, which you think would lighten the load and then <laughs> is like eight times more complicated in terms of like mechanics and tiles mm. and characters you can be and everything like that. It seems truly impressive.
0: Are you familiar with how the the battle system works in that game?
1: No, i but I've had friends tell me that i've I've got to give it a shot.
0: I think you would really like it. Uh, basically, the uh, boiling it down, it's you have a, a hand of cards, and they have an action on the top and the action on the bottom. And you play two cards, and you pick uh, one card to use its top and one card to use its bottom action. And usually, the bottom are more movement based, and the top are more a- a- attack based or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, as you play cards, you'll start to lose them, and as you get them back, you'll have less and less cards to work with and once you're out of cards you're done uh so it's it's like your your hand is almost like your hp or stamina i guess in a sense and you're you're running you're like going okay shit i gotta sacrifice this card to get my hand back but now i can't use that card anymore can i keep going through the dungeon with what limited cards i have left Ooh, Uh, very fun It's very, very good. I am itching to get back into uh, it because I have not been able to play for about, uh, uh, strangely enough, over a year? (laughs) Uh, Funny that. But um, I will say, if you are interested in the game, there is a... It's called Jaws of the Lion. I hear it's a great introduction to the game where it's like its own sort of like mini campaign and you play through it And it basically teaches you how to play Gloomhaven. And by the end, you're playing full Gloomhaven. Uh, So if you're interested, I would say that's a good place to start. Because I hear it's also phenomenal as well.
1: Yeah, that sounds I would love to get into a one of those like, well, it's it's very, very funny, because obviously there's, you know, the the focus for like a lot of tabletop stuff is that like role playing aspect. But it's very I feel like I have occupied a space in those game circles for a long time where Mm. you talk to different people and you realize How many people have a strong stance on like, look, I could give a shit about... Oh, by the way, am I allowed to curse? Am I allowed to use naughty language? Yes,
0: absolutely, absolutely.
1: Wonderful. Uh, That people are... uh, Some people have a hard stance on like, hey, I don't give a shit about rules. I just want to pretend to be my made up person. And then you have other people who are like, I could really give or take the theater aspect. I'm here to crunch some numbers and whoop (laughs) some goblin ass that's really where my head's at and it's very interesting because i've i am like a hundred percent the like why not both person like i love to have you know where it's like it's like if i can if i can have a real tearjerker of a character that really tugs on the old heartstrings and then truly lay down some ridiculous mechanical move with that character it's like oh baby you know we are we're we're walking and chewing gum at the same time, you know. We're we're scratching mm. these two itches that are uh, both very fun for me.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, the guests before you, do you are you do you know the Drawfee crew?
1: Yes, very much yeah. so they, similar. Like in the college humor world, love the draw. Like Jacob, Julia, Nathan, Karina, like very very lovely people for sure.
0: Yeah, I had Nathan and Julia on, on the episode right before you, and we were just talking about this how. Uh, Nathan and I are both very like, gotta get min max, get all the you know all the uh, best stats or whatever. And Julia is very much like, uh just do what my character wants to do, like you know. And and yet, in a sense, that almost strengthened her character because because she made such character strong decisions of like, well, my character would, is a pacifist, so he's only going to take this 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 this. Uh, and then it made it made her character accidentally like untouchable uh which kind of fits the character in in a in a funny sort of way which i thought was really it's really interesting to hear when people have different approaches to that sort of thing
1: yes absolutely well and there it's all it, it is all absolutely like there you know there's no bad way to do it it's like whatever whatever you know you're looking to get out of the game uh is absolutely like valid because ultimately like these games are structured in such a way that like Mm -hmm. you can find your path to what you're attempting to enjoy there. Um, You know, I think that there's like a, for me, there's a a lot of fun in the thing I'm most going for on the, the rare, but really valuable occasions where I get to like play as a character. Mm -hmm. I am looking for that kind of like first person experience of being in a story, right. Which, Mm. you know, for me it's it's like there's something really satisfying about like me mechanically optimizing my character and not that I always do that, but I think for care mm-hmm. like it really is for the vision of the character. Like like if you're playing a character that for for in-world reasons shouldn't be a badass, then like by mm-hmm. all means, like, you know, make that character according to their purpose in the story. However, if you are making a character that is supposed to be hyper-competent, like that is their role in the genre of the story you're telling, there's something mm-hmm. really satisfying, uh, uh, just like sort of hard-won Victories in real life, where you're like, "Hey, the odds were stacked against my favor, and I made really clever choices to be able to pull off something that maybe I shouldn't have been able to pull off." Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that that's like when the Munchkininess. Marries the service of the story that that's the su- that's the sweetest thing, right? It's like oh, yeah. like this mechanical advantage represented my character trying as hard as they could to overcome this set of circumstances. So it's like right. you know that's that's when the when the peanut butter and the jelly come together and you get something really uh, really special.
0: Uh, you, uh, you mentioned that uh, when you when you rarely get to play. Now I, I assume that means you're constantly uh, the one running the game. Now I've, I've I've talked to other friends who who also are in that position. Do you find yourself going, man? I wish I could just play <laughs> the game more. Or are you are you happy with like? Eh, but I, I I enjoy like running everything and managing that. Uh,
1: it's pure joy. I mean, like you know, I I love 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 being a dungeon master running games. It's tremendously gratifying and. Um, you know there's it I would be completely uh <laughs> it, it would be very suspect for me to be like you know I got a real problem with all this DMing, the you know <laughs> the main thing I've been doing for the past 23 years sure. um uh, uh you know I think the I think the proof is in the pudding to a certain degree that like clearly I enjoy it very very much however it is really special on the rare occasion I get to play just because you know. Being a DM is just more work, and that doesn't mean Mm. that there needs to be some weird hierarchy of, like, the long-suffering DM. It's work that I very much opted into doing. But once you start running games and, like, word gets out, you'll be running games for the rest of your life. There are lots (laughs) of, you know, even, even with the fact that there are always more players than there are Dungeon Masters... Like at a given table, even with Mm. that, I think the demographics still skew that there's not enough DMs to go around. Like there's way Mm. more people that want to play than there are people who want to DM, even adjusting for the fact that you can have a party of like four to eight people. Right. So like so like within that, once word gets out that you're. Even nominally down to run games, um, you'll be getting calls and texts for the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're a hot commodity. You provide a valuable service. You <laughs> to a va- those,
1: exactly
0: um, to those who are hungry, the masses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Now it, it sounds like uh, you mentioned that D and D or tabletop uh, takes up the you know the majority of your of your time, but uh, is there anything outside of tabletop that you think uh, the average person might not know that you're interested in? Like, do you have any hobbies uh, that you don't usually talk about like online or anything like that, that you're also like um, very into? Ooh,
1: I love this question. Um, I feel like, like, like a lot of people, my like media consumption and like hobbies are mm-hmm. are like vastly out of line with <laughs> with like what i do for or, like what my public persona is i that's actually such a fun sure. question because i feel like everyone would be like you know because you have your like internet persona where it's like this is the D guy and for real like i still play a lot of home game DD. i think people would be baffled to know that like the thing i do for a living i also still like do in my spare time um uh-huh. but that being said i think that like to, to sort of break it down in terms of like the hobbies and interests I do in my free time mm-hmm. um i get a lot of joy from practicing spanish every day i've like really oh. i've like really really ramped up i've i it's like it's gone from being a kind of wistful thing to being like i am gonna become goddamn bilingual like I, mm. I do like, you know, close to like a half hour to 45 minutes of Duolingo every day. I'm like, I have a tutor that I've, I'm like in contact with to like start learning. I have a group of friends that I, uh, safely and with masks and six feet apart have been meeting in this public park to just speak Spanish to each other. And was mm. really a couple of weeks ago was like astounded, like, oh shit, I spoke Very badly and with terrible grammar, but like spoke for 90 minutes and was able to talk about like planning my wedding and was able to talk about like, like like I shared like complicated stories from the past. I was able to tell a lot of jokes in like to say something in Spanish and like get a big laugh at the moment where you think the punchline is in another language. Uh Um so it's weird to talk about something that's that's that unconnected to like nerd stuff, but like no, man. no,
0: this is very interesting to me. So that's that's no small feat, getting like that level of communication, telling jokes, and like that. That's how long have you been? Or I guess. But my first question is, um, why? I mean, I besides the obvious use of Spanish, as it's you know very prevalent. But why Spanish versus other languages? Do you have, like, a lot of friends? Like, is it because of your friends who speak Spanish? Or what was uh, sort of the driving force behind picking Spanish?
1: When I was a little bitty dude, um, I lived in Washington Heights from, from you know, infancy to when I was four years old. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a far upper west side of New York. Um, and uh, there was a family in our building that, like, um, it, my my dad was on the road all the time doing comedy stuff. My mom was working, and there was a family in the building that took care of a lot of the building's kids that like provided like babysitting services for like basically you know most of the kids in the building. Uh, mm. And there was wonderful married couple from Colombia, uh, Carlos and Leticia. Like some of my earliest memories are being like in their apartment with a bunch of the other kids in the building and like um, mm. and like eating arepas and like so when I was four years old. I was I mean a 4-year-old is not very fluent in any language but sure. I had kind of mixed fluency in English and Spanish when I was little um Let and then see. we moved and then we moved away from Washington Heights and I and and I didn't you know uh have opportunities to continue to grow that but it's been this thing where I studied it I studied Spanish for many years again when I was a teenager um I've like traveled to Costa Rica and had opportunities to to like you know stumble through use of Spanish there and so it's this thing where I have deep roots in my brain from having soaked mm. up the language as a little bitty dude and that there is certain advantages if you if you get the basics of a language very very young that have to do with just like having an ear for it and being able to like pronounce the words correctly getting like basic pronunciation like the skeleton of a language's mm. grammar and pronunciation right and uh, and then there's, I think also there's just huge utility like it's so widely spoken in the United States. And yeah, I think that if you I, I, there's something there's there's different ways of calculating like how widely spread a language is, but I think there's something like the most the largest number of countries in the world have Spanish as like a primary language spoken. Like mm. it covers a lot of the globe of like places you could go that speak Spanish. Right. Yeah.
0: So I just really, I, yeah, I really, really love it. And, and how long have you been, uh, actively practicing it or learning it?
1: Um, I've been very shyly just doing Duolingo for a couple years now, but mm-hmm. we had this first little meeting and again, it was like um, uh, you know, it was like we had this meeting a couple of weeks ago in the park. Um, that was uh, our, and it was again like it was ninety minutes of not having to to resort to English to express myself, like wow. of like worst case worst case scenario, just using like a garbled up. Like, you know, saying something, saying something the way no actual native Spanish speaker would say it, but but communicating a meaning in another language um, and uh, and also doing it over text. And there were just certain things where I was like, oh, I'm I'm like I'm I'm a little bit closer to like if I if I, you know, had like multiple sessions a week of just speaking with an actual like you know, Spanish as a first language speaker. Like mm. I could, I I'm, I'm closer than I think I could get there a little bit easier. And even in the past couple of weeks, and also like the past year or two, I've like spoken with Spanish speakers, um, and been very like apologetic for, for bad Spanish and had them actually be like, Hey man, like, yeah, you're sp- like, it, you're clearly not using the right grammar, but I'm understanding everything that you're saying. Like you're farther, mm-hmm. you're farther along than you think you are. Um, yeah.
0: I think a lot of people are just flattered that you're taking the time to, you know, appreciate and learn their language. Like, you know, I think, yeah, uh, you're inspiring me a little because I, uh, I have, I speak very bad Korean. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I, you know, I I can understand a lot of Korean, actually, conversational Korean. But when I speak, it's very, very poor. Uh, And... I'm, I'm in this weird sort of space where it's like i know the basics so if i were to start like a like a language app like duolingo i feel like it's just i already know all this stuff but uh it's trying to find that sort of middle ground right where do i start to like build fundamentals on grammar because i know my grammar but i'm not perfect at it you know it's, it's more about i think about the vocabulary uh more so like I can struggle through <laughs> like a 90 minute conversation with uh, a, a Korean speaker but it's gonna be real embarrassing it's gonna be real real embarrassing like I'm gonna talk like a, like a child basically um, <laughs> but I can manage so it's, the fact it, that you're doing this is it's inspiring to me I, I, I kind of should really practice and brush up my Korean
1: I, I, dude, I'm right there with you in terms of like, well, because the thing is, is I I think that people are very, very hard on themselves. Like anytime that I've spoken, especially in situations where I'm speaking to someone who doesn't speak English, but does speak Spanish, like, Mm. Uh, uh, You know, I think there is, a, you know, there's there is very much this this archetype of like the ugly American of like the American who's like, you guys should all be on my page, really. And, right. you, you know, of like, you know, the entire world is just like a tourism amusement park for American tourists to kind of consume. And I think there is an appreciation if you like make that effort. But also, I think, you know, like you're saying, I have deep. You know, like embarrassed, like if I had to actually speak publicly in Spanish, I would be sweating bullets, <laughs> sure. you know, but but like I also realized that on occasions where I've spoken to someone who is ESL themselves, like mm. I'm only ever like impressive, like, damn, this is like language number two or three for you, like incredible. And uh, and also that someone can have very broken English and still be completely understandable. that like yes. you know what I mean? like there's a mm-hmm. like when I'm you know if, when i'm if I'm speaking to someone who's ESL, and it's like you know you you forget that like so much of communication is a like nonverbal to begin with that someone can th- through intonation and through just like you know if someone's if someone's in the ballpark with the words they're using, you can probably understand each other. and that's yeah. something that I'm very like grateful for an understanding of if someone is esl so it just you know it's like i think you know it's with you with like learning korean and being like oh i would have like a child's grammar it's like oh but you, you know what like that's like i understand children <laughs> like when kids talk <laughs> yeah. i i know what they're saying like it's I, I have a sweet little one-year-old nephew which is another speaking of hobbies another very fun hobby um my my wonderful fiance Izzy, uh her sister moved downstairs from us uh mm. with uh with her wonderful partner and uh their sweet little kid who's our our nephew. And this kid doesn't even have words locked down yet and is already communicating complex ideas. Like mm. m- my, my fiance is Izzy, I'm Brennan. To him that is E is Izzy, just a long E noise. <laughs> Uh uh and I'm Nenin, and the more excited he is, the more nens get added on. So if he sees me it's nennen, nen, 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 right? And like it's but, but like he knows that those are names. He understands that like that that that's what we're called. Yeah. And you know, if, if a if a truck drives by outside, his head snaps up and he goes boom 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 and like makes an engine noise. And it's really fun for, again, for a kid that has, he, I don't think he's locked down a single word yet. And he is communicating like full complex ideas and sentences, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Language is like a beautiful thing. And it's very, you know, if, if you're making a good faith effort to understand somebody, I feel like, you know, the, the nervousness around like, oh my God, do I have the subjunctive, you know, tense? (laughs) Do I have the conjugation? Right. Um, uh, is like people, people will cut you some slack.
0: Yeah, especially if they like know they can tell you're not a native speaker, right? Mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess the goal is to one day get to the point where uh, they just go, Holy shit, like <laughs> your, your Spanish is perfect, <laughs> like which, which uh, you know, like I don't know if you ever see, uh, what's, what's his name? There's a guy on, on Twitter who speaks like perfect Japanese. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, uh, I'm still gonna find his name, um, but. I think that was the sort of like benchmark for him of like ah uh, uh they get shocked at how good oh uh Dogan a uh, Dogan I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> this guy but No, I don't think I uh, have. He's very funny. He does he'll do like little kind of like bite-size skit videos and it's all in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um but his Japanese is like perfect. Like it, uh, wow. Uh, and and he and apparently he has gotten like you know, comments from Japanese people being like, wow, like you, it is, you have nailed like the, I think, I believe he's a Japanese teacher, uh, but yeah, he, he has nailed it to the point where it's like perfect. I think, I guess that's the goal, right? Is to get close to that or to get to the point where you're like, I'm comfortable, I am comfortable and not nervous about it anymore.
1: But- yeah. I yeah. think that is the goal. And for me, it's funny because I feel like I have the reverse of the situation you're describing where my vocabulary is way better than my ears
0: right now.
1: Oh, uh, okay. So, you know, because I just haven't had the opportunity to actually be in conversation with, because what I've been doing is so much studying, which mm-hmm. is which is very, and I, I think also just the way my memory works is like, I can rely on on a pretty good memory to stumble through and find some way of expressing what i'm trying to express but then people kick off into um uh into speaking the language and i go like ooh and especially because like there are multiple just like if someone's speaking english fast or any language fast Um, words blur, like you drop consonants here and there, and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that are totally homophones, but could be two different words. You know, it's like, okay, that person's either saying this longer word, or they're saying two words that sound like that put together. Um, and you have to like stump and then you're, Hey, you're trying to stumble your way through that. So like uh like someone being able to speak a language perfectly to the point where like native speakers are like and that's the thing too is when you when you meet people who are ESL and not only are they speaking flawless English but they <laughs> like but they can like do the act because there's also like accent work involved, right? Sure. It's you know like uh which is a which is a bizarre thing unto itself because like even within different like how many countries are primary English language that have wildly different ways of pronouncing uh you know the same words and even like are kind of have like dialectical differences between them um yeah it's a very i was just talking with this with a friend who is a native spanish or first first language spanish speaker and was saying like it's so funny because there's there are uh there are a lot of instances in which slowing down your speech for someone who is um, who is speaking your language as a second language. There's like certain instances where that can be rude, and mm. it's like acknowledging, like, "Hey, this person might not necessarily want you to just like speak slower and louder." However, mm. my experience of speaking with actual Spanish speakers has always been immediately like saying in Spanish, "Like, hi, could you please slow down <laughs> and like enunciate your words a little bit, a little bit louder because I can't understand you." Uh, which is very very interesting to like encounter that first person,
0: um, yeah, but yeah, <sighs> I love hearing you. You mentioned oh, it's not nerdy. I I have I don't care if it's not nerdy. I I love hearing about people's different sort of like uh, passions and and like stuff stuff especially that may may not necessarily like come into regular conversation or or fall out of the sort of quote unquote norm of what people are uh, expecting of you um now is there um any any other any other like things like that like any other hobbies that you um
1: don't usually I,
0: uh, people don't usually know about you
1: uh dang and i'm trying to think yeah it's this is so fun to talk about the non the non D stuff um uh i there's like there's definitely like other nerdy spheres of stuff like love uh love um a different. I think things are, are probably nerdy, like studying wildlife zoology and biology and mm. uh, watching a series on like behavioral science and neurology, psychology and animal behavior. This guy, Robert Sapolsky, has a great series of lectures I've been watching recently. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I've also, uh, Lou Wilson, who's a cast member of Dimension 20, and I have been, you know, throughout all of Pandemic, have uh, uh, workout many times a week, which is very fun. So, like, that's Mm -hmm. another thing of, like, oh, not, you wouldn't necessarily associate that with D&D, but, like, studying some loose fitness uh, stuff. Uh, And I just started doing, um, uh, I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with... Uh, with uh, Izzy's sister's partner who lives downstairs from us, uh, this mm-hmm. wonderful guy, Peter. And it's been um, uh, really fun. And I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a gentleman of, of I'm in my mid thirties. I'm 33 years old. And mm-hmm. um uh, you know doing weightlifting is great but i i went and did one we've done two sessions of jiu jitsu and the second time he was like hey you actually like want to roll around and sort of like just you know very lightly like some like not even fully sparring just just truly mm. like rolling around on the on the ground and my bo- every part of my body was screaming like <laughs> <laughs> it's like and i immediately was like oh god i need to be doing this because mm. You know there's that moment where where like I would say easy 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 for the past 10 years I have not asked any thing of my body that was <laughs> improvisational like anything like mm-hmm. truly like there was a moment of just like you know, like I, I remember, I, my again, Izzy was doing like a Pilates thing the other day, and I was like, "Oh, that might be fun. I'll jump in with you." And there was just one thing of opening your your legs, of like having your knee move at like your hip flexor, of like I'm lying on my side, and all I'm being asked to do is just move my upper knee from being in the fetal position to just kind of pointing towards the ceiling, like a little ninety degree. Open <laughs> your knees up. It was like I'd been hit by a car. It was like I'd been (laughs) shot with a gun. I did like 10 of those and I was like, oh, buddy, buddy, you gotta, you gotta, you know, like professional D&D and spending a year inside your apartment is.
0: (laughs) You become a rusty skeleton at this point.
1: Yeah, it's just very funny. It's it's. um, But yeah, so so I've started getting very into that and there's immediately a lot of I don't know I, as, as someone who, who has a lot of things that I do that are things I've been doing for like when I run a game of D&D I've spent 23 years doing that mm-hmm. there is something really nice about having some part of your life in which you are a complete novice right yeah i think it's good for the soul i think humility is good for the soul i think it's good to have something that's in your repertoire that 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 is in your routine where you're Mm -hmm. like oh let's go do the thing i'm bad at right now let's let's remember that like (laughs) like it's important to have a thing where you're like okay i'm gonna go and have my my future brother-in-law kind of kick my ass for 90 (laughs) minutes uh and let's let's go do this uh that feels very positive
0: yeah, yeah, and, and also uh, more things to just get better at, right? To improve on, and there's always satisfaction in that. And uh, exercise is good in general. So yeah, that's that does. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should take a Brazilian uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. What's that? So, was is it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Is that yes, is that Brazilian okay. Jiu-Jitsu? Yes, 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 absolutely. And, and is that primarily? Uh, like, I I I don't know much about Brazilian uh, Jiu-Jitsu in general. Is it grappling? What is it? What is what is the main form of uh, so,
1: so, and I'm actually going to, going to make sure that I'm, I'm getting this right as well. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, jujitsu origin, uh, originated obviously in Japan and then there uh, this big family called the Gracies or like a sort of the, the, the royalty of like a Bra- Brazilian jujitsu, which is sort of a modification or, um, expansion on the original jiu-jitsu practices it's it's all grappling based right Mm, um and i don't think it is as dominant as it once was but there was a period of years within mixed martial arts where this family called the gracies that were brazilian jiu-jitsu family came in and just annihilated and there was a period of years where basically mixed martial arts like Punching and kicking had become kind of like irrelevant uh mm. within it because this grappling system had come in. I might be overstating it, and I'm sure th- I, I am very much.
0: I'm not- sure the MMA fans are gonna be like, "How he doesn't know what he's talking about." <laughs> <laughs> I do. This I is- do get the sense because when I watch an, like some MMA fights, there doesn't there does appear to be a lot of grappling, like not just like punching and kicking, but like yes. locks and. That sort of thing, yeah, yeah. And
1: there's a there's a very real thing of like, you know, I, I have I have been very fortunate to have been in very few physical altercations in my actual life, um, but mm-hmm. I have I have witnessed plenty. I bartended for many years in places that ha- that fights or breaking out was a, a a more normal thing. And anyone who's lived in New York for any amount of time has seen people throw down. And what you immediately see is. For someone to be able to throw a punch that actually lays someone out, that person is basically Jason Bourne. That is, (laughs) that is, you know, like it's just, just to be honest, if you see someone that can throw a punch that knocks someone out, you're watching a level of skill and technique that is truly scary, like, like to avoid that person. That's like a superpower. And I I might, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but, but mostly when you're watching fights as a bartender or you're out and you're you're a bouncer you're in some place where your where fights are even just like infrequent what you see often is even very big muscular aggressive guys mostly slap and grab each other like they try to throw a punch but without a lot of training you know, and this is something that a lot of people that study Jiu and other sort of grappling techniques will tell you most fights end up on the ground, even if you're a big, tough guy. And I've seen it a lot. where like, especially with the kind of big, aggressive, you know, for lack of a better word, meathead kind of dudes that that yeah. do want to that think they're great at fighting without any training or technique. Um, mostly, if you're very big and tough and you're fighting other big, tough people, people that just have a lot of meat on their body your bodies are probably going to be better at not getting hurt than either of you are at hurting people so there is a lot of like <laughs> slapping grabbing ripping each other's shirts and no one even has like a broken nose or a black eye it's just kind of humiliating there's kind of a humiliating vibe to most of the fights you end up watching where you're like damn you're each like 250 pounds of muscle and each of you just kind of ruined each other's nice designer shirt like watching and a middle
0: school fight or something it's yeah, like, yeah
1: it's like yeah like fighting is a skill people and I think people that like work out or, or Are very muscular might think like man I'm great at fighting because I'm so strong and it's like actually like that's very presumptuous of you like fighting is is like anything a skill I -hmm. you know you might be very very smart you would be really presumptuous to assume you're gonna go win a chess match if you don't (laughs) play chess every week like regardless of if you have some academic degree or whatever and I think like fighting is the exact same thing where for the most part if you're not a trained boxer or you're not out you know like if you don't know or you're not someone who's like trained in you know unarmed combat or whatever that's gonna you're probably not gonna throw a punch that knocks somebody out that's almost yeah. never gonna happen so the fun thing about uh jiu and stuff like that is there is a certain degree of practicality in in it of like hey mostly god forbid you ever are in a situation where you need to, to defend yourself and like you know as as in any any responsible martial art will tell you like if you feel a fight coming on like run away like it's not worth it don't mm-hmm. don't be out fighting other adults in the world that's preposterous <laughs> sure. um but uh in in the in such an occasion that you would have to most fights are going to end up on the ground and and like you're you're going to be so much better served by knowing how to like break someone's grip on your clothing if they're trying to grab you there's just mm-hmm. a lot of things that are i think hyper practical in a way that like i'm gonna teach you how to fucking break someone's neck with the top of your foot roundhouse kick and you're Mm -hmm. like well i probably don't want to murder someone and go to jail (laughs) um (laughs) i think i i think i'd rather know how to like stop someone from holding my clothes than run away um sure sure uh so so that part i like
0: gotcha so basically you're telling everyone right now don't fuck with Brennan. Uh Brennan knows Brazilian jujitsu uh and he won't know <laughs> he will Listen, I've banked
1: <laughs> I've banked a full two and a half hours into this skill set, which is I'm pretty sure what Malcolm Gladwell said makes you an expert. Something like two or three hours, I think is what he kept saying. And uh you need to you need to watch out for me, because yeah. you know, uh I'm 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 a hurricane. I'm coming your way.
0: Got it. Now uh, I like to give uh, the guests an opportunity. Uh, if you would like to either uh, either bring up a topic or ask me a question or whatever you would like, uh, if you don't have anything, don't worry about it. But I do. Uh, this is a something I usually offer the guest. Um,
1: I am so glad that you have offered this because I want to talk to you. Uh, uh, you're a, a light speed. Voice actor and it's something that that I I feel like doing D&D stuff I get questions like this a lot about like voices and character voices and stuff like that What was your road or pathway like early on Mm. that got you into? Voice acting and I sort of don't like I know that probably you've answered that question career wise a lot but Mm. I think more like as a kid Mm. What like what inspired you to be like? Oh, I want to do them goofy voices. Like let like let me at them. Um, Mm. What what was that process like for you as a kid?
0: Uh, For me, it was it's interesting because as a kid, I didn't even think that I could do that as a job. Like I knew it existed because as a kid, I had this sort of um, very early interest in. I had a very good ear for recognizing. Voice actors, even if they're doing very different voices, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with voice actors, but like uh, you've got like your Tom Kenny, right? Uh, yeah. Who you know? I would go. Oh wait, I recognize, even though he's like like the mayor in Powerpuff Girls, I recognize that he's also this character in this in this show, and so I was like, who is that? And then I would I would look at the credits of cartoons. And go, okay, that's Tom Kenny, that's Jeff Bennett, that's Jennifer Hale. And that just sort of built up this uh like encyclopedic knowledge where like if if my wife and I are watching a cartoon um mm. and it's like a, a voice actor who's like you know worked a lot, she'll just be like, Who is that? And I'll go, Oh, that's uh Tom Kane. Oh, that's uh whatever. I, I can <laughs> usually have a, I have a very good ear for that. And I think that while I at the time I didn't think I could do it, because uh, as a kid I actually, uh, funny story, I actually really hated the sound of my voice, and then puberty happened and then I got this set of pipes and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, yeah.
1: golden instrument here, yeah, exactly. I, I rolled the
0: fucking jackpot. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I it, was, it was so funny because I hated I hated hearing recordings of my voice. I had you know like a higher voice as a kid. Uh, not, like, super high, but, you know, like, just a regular, like, you know, uh, prepubescent boy voice that I really was self-conscious about. And then I want to say seventh grade, puberty, and bam. Or sixth grade, seventh mm-hmm. grade, come back from summer, bam, I got this. Uh, and then, um, so there was that sort of background of, like, well... I love I, I'm a big nerd about voice actors. I know who voices what I can recognize like uh, who's who and you know what they're doing with their voices um, and this even applied to um, uh, ooh, yeah sorry that was my cat. do you want out no worries you want okay one <laughs> second one second no worries um, that also applied to uh, I don't know how, how big you are into let's say anime. But I've been a very big anime fan for a very long time. And that also even applied to Japanese voice acting as well. I have a, a like encyclopedic knowledge of Japanese voice actors. And I can recognize a Japanese voice actor just from their voice. Uh, nine times out wow. of ten. Wow, um, wow, wow, wow. So that's always been something that was part of my interest and in brain and system. And then uh, it was high school... Where uh, a friend of mine, uh, he would write these radio plays, uh, just for fun, you know. Just all of all of us, all art. The I'm still very good friends with him uh, to this day. Uh, we he would just write the cast, his friends, and and we would just with our shitty microphones, we would ca- we would record, and it was through that that I really fell in love with acting. Like I, um. I remember very vividly uh, I was uh I was cast as a a Russian boxer in one of his in a comedic like radio play he did. Uh so doing this kind of voice, you know, very gravely. <laughs> and I remember being very like it it went beyond uh oh I'm doing like a voice and I'm and I got really into it. I I've I've described this many times on the podcast, but like some of my favorite moments in voiceover is when you, I kind of lose, as tacky as it sounds, I lose myself in the performance. And I'm not focusing so much on, oh, making sure, like, oh, does the director like it? Just going, just getting in the scene, getting into the scene, getting really into the moment. And that's when I have the most fun, when I feel fully immersed. and I And I genuinely... Uh, felt that, uh, and that in you know, doing some of those things, and that made me go, Okay, I want, I know voice actors, I know that's a profession, I I get it now, like, I love acting. I had kind of had a knack for doing voices, quote unquote, like, even before that, but it was the sort of combination of both because I think a lot of people don't realize. That acting is, you know, having acting, acting, you have to act. <laughs> you have to be able to act. It, it's it's so much more than just doing voices. And so it was the combination of both where I was like, okay, I really want to do this uh, for a living. That and just simply, like, uh, voice acting in video games was getting better at the time. And uh, mm. and I would often, like, um, either when playing video games, I, if it didn't have voice acting, I would just... Do the, you know, do it out loud or, uh, just watch like, um, as a kid, like I loved, like, I don't I, you, you Do you play a lot of video games? I need to play more. Oh. I
1: sadly am like, uh, you know, I, I got my little bag of polyhedral dice and I kind of wandered down that road sure. very hard. <laughs> so, um, but I used to back in the day, I haven't been in the past couple of years, um, uh so I have I've fallen off the video game wagon gotcha. sad to say. Uh well back
0: um, then for me it was like uh there was stuff like Borderlands 2 was a big game that had l- phenomenal voice performances and I was really inspired by or like uh per- your your persona games or whatever and um or like fighting games like we're getting better voice acting like Soul Calibur and you know it's been kind of like a surreal I've been very fortunate enough to be able to like like four installments later I get to be in like a Soul Calibur 6 after when I grew up on like Soul Caliber 3 or like oh I'm in yeah. Borderlands 3 after being so inspired by Borderlands 2 and so it was really that it was you know this sort of interest in voiceover as a kid and I would look at I would always watch behind the scenes stuff and you know had an encyclopedic knowledge of who was who and whatever and then falling in love with acting combining both and then finding out oh, there's a lot of people like me on online who are also wanting this exact, exact same thing. And I think a lot of us have <laughs> very similar stories where I think a lot of voice actors my age um, who are in like the... Uh, uh, they, uh, A lot of us started online, like doing just putting, like recording just stuff together online, just making shit. Um, and that eventually led to... Uh, you know, over time and you know, building up your experience and getting eventually to getting cast into you know, professional work. But uh, yeah, I guess, uh, that is sort of the long story of how it's my interest in it, uh, kind I guess.
1: Well, that that's so fat. First of all, I feel like I vibe with that so much. Uh, you're talking about like, it is it is wild as you work in these fields. Like the amount of people who, because there are so many franchises in modern media that are so long lived, mm-hmm. there's this, I remember someone told me a mind-blowing thing. I had a friend that's a comics writer who basically was like, one hundred percent of mainstream superhero comics are now fan fiction because mm-hmm. none of the writers weren't exposed to those characters as children. Yeah. So it's it's you know it's like oh man to like be in soul caliber or to like be writing Batman comics or to write Superman comics like what does that mean? Growing up with that as a you know a, a monolith within the culture you grew up with as a kid, uh, and I love talking about layering these different parts on to everything, mm-hmm. right? Of like of like, oh, well, the first thing was my love of the cartoons which led to being interested in that world And then I later found my voice and then within the voices found acting right and I think that for me I vibe with that so much where you know my entire career as like a sketch comedian or an improviser or whatever Was predicated on skills. I learned just to be a better DM Mm, as a child right but I'd be interested in hearing from you too, because as someone who is, because you've done VO work for video games and then d- doing them for shows as well. Like, do you, I, that's so fascinating to me because I feel like voiceover is this enormous, it's such an umbrella. It's basically just like, you know, I'm re, I'm using my voice to supplement some piece of animation somewhere. Mm-hmm. How much does that gig change from, a like video game where you have to do like a thousand different grunts to like a, 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 you know, some, some kind of like half hour animated show where you might have only a couple lines Mm. that nevertheless have to communicate this entire character.
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's interest. It's a lot of different sort of experiences across the board where uh, I have played uh, like a protagonist in a game, which involves extensive reactions right you need every single jump kick gu- gunshot wound every every possible we uh, they call it like the battle grid right where all right just uh all right you got shot do three takes bam 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 all right now you're gonna jump do three takes bam 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 uh you know and then on top of that having to do all the dialogue and getting fully so I would say uh that is kind of like on par with like if you get cast in a main role for like a season of a show, right? Because then you get mm-hmm. you get a you get full exposure to like your whole arc of your character throughout this main story. Um, obviously, video games are <laughs> they're more demanding uh, physically because there's going to be depending on the type of game a, a lot of combat and so a lot of like death reacts or uh, you know fighting reacts and that sort of thing. But in terms of the mm-hmm. Uh, experience as an actor, I would compare it to like, uh, yeah, like if you are in every episode of a season of a show and getting a full arc for that character, and then sometimes you know I I will come in and you you are a one shot you're like for that episode, um, which mm-hmm. uh, that's an interesting thing of like sometimes you don't even know what they want before you come in because the, either the, the description yeah. is so vague. So, there is actually, you have to be a lot. There is a lot of improv sometimes involved of like, okay, they come in and tell you on the spot, we're looking for this kind of thing. Or they might even be like, hey, that thing that was in the script or in the sides, it's this now. Can you do this? And having to go, okay, what's the voice they're looking for? And then just sort of cementing yourself, even if it's for five lines, even if it's like, just throw yourself into the scene as quickly as possible. Uh, without any like extensive like backstory or prep, and just making it feel like this character is fully realized, there, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting challenge. Sometimes I'll also come in for like uh, maybe like usually uh, well, for both animation and games, but let's say games more more often, where it's like you're voicing five different minor characters, and so you find yourself like yeah. hopping from okay, you're a soldier, all right three lines and you get killed okay now you're like a nobleman okay now you gotta change it up what's the what's his vibe what's his motivation cool so i'd say the biggest difference is just uh in those situations you're definitely feel like you're more on the fly of like okay just gotta grab it cement myself and go uh whereas with something that's longer like a game or a full season you get that kind of It's like eventually you're putting on, like, very comfy slippers, right? It's like, okay, I know I've done, like, you know, 12 sessions. I know exact... I don't have to listen to the reference tape anymore. I can just come in. I know what this character is about. And then it's kind of fun because sometimes you'll get a line and you know exactly... Either you know exactly how the character would read it even before the director tells you because you're just that familiar with the character... And then sometimes you, you might even be like, hey, like, what about this? Like, because maybe because the character, I think, kind of thinks this way. Like, what do you think about this take? You know, never like to take over and be like, I know what the character should say. But after a certain point with, you know, voicing a character for so long, you you do get kind of a sense of like how the character thinks and how the character uh, normally talks and what feels sort of out of character. And so that can be kind of fun too, of a sort of a collaborative, like, oh, like we're me and the director are both so familiar with this character, there can be a little bit like, how about I try like something like this or a little bit like that. Um, So that's where the difference is, where if you get more time with it, like I always treasure getting the more time with a character, I can get uh, the more uh, not fun, but the more sort of value you can get out of it as you. Um, go on with it, I guess.
1: Yeah, that makes a million percent sense to me. And I think there's a, a, like you're saying, I think that amongst performers, there's almost like if someone comes in to a character or role that's like five lines or less, and they like nail it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's almost more. I, it's hard to think of things that are like more impressive than that. Where you go look at like famous literary characters or whatever, or famous like film or TV characters, and you're like, "Damn, look what that person did with twelve mm-hmm. lines in the whole season of that show!" And they're such a memorable yeah. character. Um, uh, but like you're saying too, I think that's a big. There's a big moment that I think is really important for people to reach when they're doing that kind of creative work, especially as an actor. And especially when you're coming, like I've been very, like the CEO videos, like I have either like co-written with Mm. people or like the vast bulk of them I've written myself. Um, But then you're either co-writing them with someone. And so you you don't, you feel like you have that authority on stage to riff or improvise. When you're going in as a hired gun and it's fully someone else's project, someone else is producing it, someone else is directing, someone else wrote it. It is interesting when you realize that actually people are depending on you to not often, not like a diva, but every once in a while be like, hey, I just want to raise this concern about the character or I want to raise or I I have an idea for this that I want to throw at you. And it's not it's not from a position of like hey listen (laughs) folks like i'm the talent here okay i know i know what's going on but i remember being in projects you know for for like longer dropout shows and and you realize like yes the producer and the director and all these people are in charge of everything else and ultimately it's their Mm -hmm. call But like the producers also dealing with this drama of like the soundstage isn't opening when they thought it was going to open tomorrow. And the directors having to look at this like costume set of costume changes and everybody's looking everywhere else. Um, You might be the only person who's got eyes on this specific thing you noticed about the character and you're actually being paid to be the person to bring that up and say, hey, like in an earlier scene, my character's doing this. Do do you think this would affect this other way? I I remember doing a commercial shoot back when I was like doing comedy Mm -hmm. in New York. And I had this, there was this very funny moment where it's like this giant car commercial. It's like they have a huge rig and all these lights and the director's talking to the clients and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I remember being a very nervous young performer. And at a certain point, the director I like the director just wasn't being bothered by anybody else. And I was like, Hey, am I like basically just being like, you know, a 23 year old being like, am I good? Do you like me? Am I, (laughs) am I funny? And the guy looked at me and gave me this look. He didn't say anything, but just in his look, I suddenly realized that, that, his entire day was making sure that the many hun- you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of like the truck rig for the moving car, mm-hmm. the light glinting off the hood ornament in exactly the way that the client said, I have been hired to do two things be funny every Mm. time and not bother (laughs) anyone (laughs) like like no one gives a shit about your improv man like you you are not the variable here you're the Mm. constant be funny every time we roll camera so that we can get the lighting on this hood ornament exactly right uh (laughs) like realizing that like you actually have as a performer, a position of like expertise and actually are being counted Mm. on. You are not this little like hothouse flower. It's like, Hey, we're counting on you to like understand this character and do this performance in the way that only you can do it.
0: Um, It's like a very freeing thing. Mm -hmm. Actually. Yeah. yeah. There is, I think the best um, sort of relationships in the booth for me is it's like if there's like a, there's a trust, right? Like between you and the director Mm -hmm. of like, that I know, I like. I know you know what you're doing. You know what I'm doing. You know you know that I know what I'm doing. Let's just you know work together, and make this good, and you know it's gonna, it's gonna be good. Like you know, and, and, and like you said, like if anything I like offer to them, I mean it's ultimately their call. I'm always very like, hey, if you're if you want, like I'm not. I never demand like this it has to be this way. Or I'm leaving. It's like well, in voiceover, if you leave it. it, it you're, okay, cool. We'll replace you. Yeah, <laughs> you. Uh, cool, great. Um, so, it, it, but the, yeah, it, it is that sort of finding that sort of, uh, and I, I think for me, uh, similar to what you were saying, it was this. There's a level of comfort I finally reached where you go, yeah, no, I, I know what I'm doing, and I don't like. It's not in an arrogant sort of way, but it's like I finally feel like comfortable and not like a nervous wreck, and I like. I I'm they are expecting me to know what I'm doing and I think I know what I'm doing and it it that level of after many 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 years but that level yeah, of confidence like that confidence, confidence I, only lends it's itself very, to improving. Th- it. Well,
1: I think to what you're saying too, there is a default that like the most polite thing you can be is so humble that you are like a <laughs> shivering wreck of insecurity. Sure. Like you're there and you're like, I think I'm trash. And everyone's like, wow, so polite, wow. you know? Like <laughs> that there is, and, and that's actually at a certain level of stakes of like a lot of money riding on the project and everyone's working very hard and very stressed it actually stops being polite and starts being quite rude. It starts being, (laughs) yes, you know what I mean? Where where it's like, where where if you're there and you're like, I think I'm doing a bad job and I need, and I like, you know, please someone give me some reassurance or like, or like, I don't want to take a big swing. I don't want to do something that's very, and it's like, you know, you'll see a look on a director's face of like, dude, (laughs) like, like I don't have enough to do today that now I'm your therapist. (laughs) Like I have to come here and like make you feel good man, you're a professional, like figure it out. And and you it, that it is welcome for you to do that thing where you're like, hey, like I'm gonna give you, I'm like, I'm gonna give you a read. Like if we're gonna do a couple takes, like do you guys want a couple higher or lower energy versions? Or like, do you want a version like this? Like, especially if you've been on the producer side mm. of things where you can kind of come in and go, you've you've made content before so you know like hey like i'm happy to give you guys like if if we think that there's two interesting ways of doing this i'm down to like record both and then when you guys get in the room you make the final call about which one you want to use like i think that 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 level of confidence in yourself and and professionalism of like Hey, I know that I know what it is. I'm here to create for you guys. Like, I'm here to give you the raw material to work with when you're actually building this project later. Is often like so Mm, welcome. Yes, yes, I
0: 100% agree. Like, I have a pretty um, kind of a low key sort of vibe. I guess like I'm not I'm not super high energy as a default, Uh, and so um, Mm -hmm. I think that actually lends itself well when I come in Um, because I think this is easier said than done. But like even I mean, there will be times where like the project will be so, I don't know, like maybe quote unquote high stakes or something or something. I'm, where I, I am a little nervous. But uh, I find that for me, if I just act confident or act cool, like I find myself so that helps me. And then I just eventually get comfortable, like uh, easier said than done. But after, you know, years of experience and just going, OK, you know what, even if this is scary or if this is a new thing. You can do this. Like, just, you know, you're, you're, no one wants you to fail, and you just, you know, just believe in yourself, I guess, is the cheesy way to go about it. And then um, it just sort of lends itself to uh, making you feel that way. Like, uh, basically, the fake faking it, faking fake it till you make it. But, like, in that moment of, like, yeah, just, yeah, no, I can do this. And then you can, yeah. you find yourself just being able to do it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I
1: used to. I used to give that note all the time. I I, I taught improv at UCB and I would say that all the time to people where I was like, I was like, listen, there there are, certain not to go all philosophy major on it. There are certain things that if they exist in a way that is fake, they are actually real. Mm. Like, in other words, if someone would look at something and they're like, oh, look at that mirage over there. That's not a real mirage. That's a fake mirage. And you're like, what the hell is a (laughs) fake (laughs) mirage? If it's... If it's a, if you're seeing it, that's a successful mirage, right? And I think that charisma and confidence is the exact same. Like I had someone one time as a student be like, like I know that I'm able to like fake this charisma, but it's not real. And I was like, I don't think charisma is anything other than the perception mm. of charisma. Like if if other people see it, that's as yeah. real as it gets. Like whatever's going on internally with you, I don't like like obviously I want you to feel healthy and well and good about yourself, but if it offers some solace or comfort to you, if people perceive you as confident, you yeah. have confidence like I don't, I don't like the perception is the reality. There's a there's a handful of things that if they are perceived, they exist in reality Um and I think that that like you're talking about that, like fake it till you make it thing, that's that's not something I would advise for, you know, airline <laughs> pilots or sure. doctors. But if but if you're a performer, faking it is the name of the game. You If you have faked a certain degree of charisma or vulnerability or the ability to to, you know, captivate people's attention, you're doing it. That's that's yeah. the name of the game.
0: I mean, it's it, it's in itself its own form of acting. Right. You're just acting kind of but and and then it'll it'll help you out so yeah i i i I do think that's that's valuable advice i do love that though the like what's a fake mirage that's a good way of putting it yeah no that 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 is (laughs) that's smart um well this has been great i i i i I thank you for taking the time man i wanted to kind of get get to know you better um and i just i wanted to have you on for that and uh yeah i'm i I had a i had a good time uh sitting with you
1: dude a a a pleasure and an honor my man thank you so much for having me on the show
0: yeah of course uh where can people find you
1: uh, you can find me on Twitter at BrennanLM. That's B R E N N A N L M. You can find me on Instagram, uh, my full name at BrennanLeeMulligan. Uh, and I am the, the dungeon master for Dimension 20, which you can find at YouTube, uh, uh, youtube.com slash Dimension 20 show. Uh, and you can also find all seasons on a college Humor's streaming platform, dropout.tv.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you again, man. This has been great. A a true
1: joy. Thank you so much.